Welcome to Providence Road. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. So like I said, we're jumping back into um, this series. Um, this is our last week, and I'll put up the mission statement here um, just so we're kind of tracking week to week. Hopefully, um, you uh, remember this um, because we've put it up every week. We exist to glorify God by leading people to find freedom and joy in Jesus. And here are the values we've been walking through. Gospel centrality, formative community, everyday discipleship, missional living, and planting healthy churches. Planting healthy churches. And so we've gone through those first four. Today we're looking at planting healthy churches. And when we talk about planting healthy churches, here's what we mean. We mean we engage in the mission of God by planting healthy churches. And so it's key there that you see we join in the mission of God. God is, this is God's mission centered around his son, empowered by his spirit to plant churches. And we are engaging um, in his mission. This is his mission. It's not our mission. It's his mission to see healthy churches planted. So today what we're going to do, we're just going to walk through really this statement and really define some of these words and look at scripture as we go along. So the first question we need to ask, well, what is church planting? And oftentimes, even, even when we first got into this, when we planted Providence Road 12 years ago or so, uh, probably 15 years ago is when we first started really thinking about this and dreaming about this, um, this idea of church planting was still a little strange to us. Even that, that terminology, right? You put church and planting together, those two words put together seem a little odd. They seem a little strange. So what, what does this mean when we say church planting? Well, really, God has created the church to be his vehicle for his glory to be made known. And so as we proclaim the gospel, as we speak the gospel, um, it, it is done through the church. As we show people the gospel, as we live in such a way that we treat one another as followers of Jesus so the world can see how we treat one another and how we love one another, and they, give, they see God in that and how we treat one another, that is to be done in the context of the church, right? The, all Christians for all time who've believed make up this thing called the church. And I want to read this passage again um, that we read a minute ago. I want you to hear Paul here, and he's talking about the gospel. He centers everything there. And then see the kind of the weight that he puts on the church. Okay, Ephesians 3, 7 through 13. Again, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what Paul does. He's an apostle. He's a church planner. He's a missionary. Verse 9, and to bring to light it to, for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This mystery is just his character, his, his, the, the, his person, the, the mystery of the gospel. So all of those things. And then here, here it is in verse 10, so that through the church, let's say through anything else, just through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So we see church planning as obviously this, this kind of physical thing that's done here on earth, um, and we see the fruit of that. But what Paul is showing us here, he's taking even a step further to say, no, the church is a key piece so that the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places would know these things about God. So in this spiritual way as well, church planning is a kind of a weapon, is, is a vehicle in the battle in the heavenly realms that Paul is, is, is laying out here. In verse 11, he says, this was according 
to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, which everything is centered around, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. If we look at the book of Acts, if we just read the book of Acts, we're going to see clearly that the goal of of Paul and his ministry and those other um, early apostles who were with Jesus, um, it was to plant churches. It wasn't just community, right? Although that was there. It wasn't just mission, although that was there. It wasn't even just discipleship, although that was there. Um, he knew the evidence of those things, which are all really important, which we've, all co- which we've covered in our series so far. He knew if, if, if we were looking ahead to planting churches, he knew these things would be present in those churches that were planting. If you read the book of Acts, church planting, it's, it's, it's natural. It's assumed. There's not this, even this, this language of church planting so much in Acts, but you can clearly see that Paul's method was to come into an area preach the gospel, then those who believed he would gather them into community, and then amongst that community, he would begin to develop leaders and people to to serve in different ways, and then he would leave when the church was at a stage where it was healthy and it was a church. This is how he planted churches, that they would grow into churches, they would be healthy, and that they they would have leadership to start more churches and be healthy churches. This was Paul's design. Everything was pointed towards planting a church and getting it healthy enough so he could leave and plant another church, okay? So that is really, that's how that church planting fits into the mission of God. And I didn't say at the beginning, but we did a, a whole series of, of church planting in the summer, which I know you, you all are probably in and out this summer. Um, but I would encourage you, if you want to know more about this, to go back. Um, it was in June or early July, that sermon was preached, and I just went through what is church planning according to the scripture. And so I, I just gave a little bit of a fly over there, but we took about 30 or 35 minutes and really dug into that back then. So I encourage you to go back and check that out if you really want more questions about how does church planning fit in to the mission of God. But now I want to move on to what does a healthy church look like? So we don't just want to plant churches. I want to plant healthy churches. That's the mission, planting healthy churches churches, right? We engage in the mission of God, which we just saw that by planting healthy churches, okay? And the, the, the um, illustration that I kind of thought of this week was, was that of, of an orchestra, right? You think of all the instruments in an orchestra, and if you just took any one instrument aside and had somebody that was really gifted playing that, it would be awesome. It would be great to listen to. It would be, it'd be, it'd be wonderful, right? But there's a ceiling to the, maybe the effect that that person could have on you with that instrument. And that could be the case for any instrument in the orchestra in isolation. But when you, the, thing, the awesome thing about an orchestra, when you put them together, it makes something uh, beautiful and, and worth listening to for a long time. And the ceiling gets raised on the effect and how it moves you in listening to the music. It's not that those instruments by themselves are bad or they're any, that, that, they're, that they're not good, you can listen to those things, but when put together, it makes something, um, it's like the, the sum is greater than the parts, if you ever heard of that saying. And so the, the four values we looked at so far in this series all connect to church planting. When we ask, what is a healthy church? Really, in church planting, we want to look at those four values and say, well, if these four values are in place and are being lived out, you're probably going to have a good chance at a healthy church. So this is going to be a little bit of review today. 
um, going back over these four values, which I think is good for us. It's that important. But also we're going to see it through the lens of church planting because that is the fifth value that we're looking at. So let's look at the gospel, being gospel-centered and church planting. Okay? So you begin here by saying that Jesus is the head of the church. He is the senior pastor, you could say, of the church. It is all about him. He is leading the church through his spirit. Even leadership in the church are under shepherds to the primary shepherd that is Jesus. So all churches should be centered on Jesus. And when a church begins to not be centered on Jesus, it, the health is compromised. It's really easy for churches to begin um, to, be, to be centered on a personality of a gifted leader that you put up front every week. If a church is centered on that, then the, 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 the health of that church will be compromised. If a, church, if, if a church is just a really good concert every week, you come in on Sunday, it just feels like a concert every week, and that's it, the, con the health of that church will be compromised if the gospel isn't present and central. Um, or an a church could be an organization that's just centered around really good people, good people who do good things, who don't do really bad things, who are just really, really moral, quaint, good people. That is not the gospel. So if the church is centered on that and that is central, then health will be compromised. The church must be centered on the gospel. Jesus, the church is called Jesus's bride. And you, you need, we need to focus and, and make sure that his bride is healthy. We need to do everything in our, in, our, in, in, in our power to make sure the church is centered on him, our, our husband, our groom, and make sure nothing else, even the good things, that not even the good things get in the way of the main thing, and that is Jesus. Now, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, this may be a, a, an interesting topic today, but I want you to keep tracking with me because I am sure that even though maybe you don't have spent time in the church, you have a view of what the church is. Maybe it's through, through um, social media or something in the news or ex bad experiences you've had. But I would just encourage you to kind of, as we walk through this, think about what a, the biblical definition of a, of a healthy church is, that it's centered on Jesus, the perfect one, the one who gave his life up for um, undeserving, sinful people like everyone in this room. So if you're here and you've been away from church for a while, you're not a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to see kind of what we're going to talk about today through that lens of Jesus and the good news that he brings. So this is why a church should be centered on the gospel. Next, you have this idea of formative community, our second value. Um, you can't have church planting without community. Let's listen to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It's Paul, once again, just a chapter later than that passage just read. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So really what Paul's saying there is, is he's given certain kinds of leaders with certain kinds of gifts with the goal of equipping the whole church for building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until, so here's the goal, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. There you see it again, Jesus is central. We're to grow up into him to experience the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 
Verse 15, so rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, there it is again, into Christ. And this is where this community idea comes in. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Notice it builds itself up in love. Yes, the Spirit's working, Jesus is the head, but even Paul here is saying that it builds itself up in love. So as we all play our role here in the church and use our gifts and use our times and time and steward our resources to the building up of the body, we build one another up through the power of the Spirit. Now, if you start try to start a church without community, you can imagine what's going to happen. You have kind of a, a loose band of probably disconnected and probably immature disciples. And some of um, kind of the traditional church evangelism um, kind of starts here with just trying to get someone to raise their hand or come down front. And maybe it's even an event that's separated from the church, which those things aren't bad. But if it's left there, you just have a bunch of isolated people who've raised their hand and given their lives to Jesus, but have no concept of Jesus's bride the church, which is why evangelism and mission should always be connected to the church. The Bible assumes that when someone is saved, they're saved into community. It's not, hey, I'm saved, and then I'm going to go figure out where I'm going to join a church. It's, no, I've been saved, and, that, and because the gospel is preached out of a church, you're saved into that church. You're saved into that body of believers. I used this illustration back in the summer when we talked about church planning, but I'll, I'll use it again because I think it's helpful. It's like throwing um, a group of football players. This is football season. Um, I think you use basketball in the, in the summer, but it's football season, so I'll use football. It's like throwing a group of football players onto the field and, and, not, and not putting them into teams, not giving them any instruction, not giving them any, any kind of uniforms to distinguish themselves, and you just say, hey, go play. Go, go play football, and you throw 22 guys out there at a time and say, go play. And, and so there's this confusion, like, like, who's on whose team? Like, what's going on here? How are we going to protect ourselves? Where, where are we going to get the pads to play? Like, what, there's confusion there because it's a bunch of just isolated players playing football instead of having some structure, having some procedures, having some leadership, having a coach, these kinds of things. Another illustration would be like attending a chapel service on a vacation. I don't know if y'all have ever done that, but if you've gone, you want to go to somewhere on Sunday to maybe hear the word preached, you go to a, a chapel service or somewhere, and you walk in with a bunch of other people who are on vacation. It's okay, but you have no connection to these people. The only thing you have in common is that maybe you're a professing follower of Jesus. There's no accountability. There's no commitment to do life together. There's no really roles in each other building each other up in the body. It's just kind of a bunch of loose people who've professed faith um, coming to hear someone teach. And that, that I would call that a chapel service before I would call that a church. Okay, so you can't have a healthy church without having people connected together in formative community. And we preached on that a few weeks ago, um, what that looks like um, kind of played out in the church. Next, we have everyday discipleship and church planning. If you remember in Acts 2, um, there in that passage, I'm just going to read the first two verses, 41 and 42. So um, uh, the gospel's preached, like spirit comes, gospel's preached, thousands of people get saved, and this is the next verse. So those who received his word or believed were baptized, 
And there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Okay, added is added to the church, right? In verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. For the sake of time, I'm going to stop there. But yeah, that, the rest of those verses in that passage talk about what they were doing. And so we need to see here that, um, that really the church is the place, is the environment where discipleship happens, right? God tells, tells his, his, his followers, Jesus tells his followers to make disciples and churches are birthed from people becoming Christians in a given location. Those of you who spend over any time overseas in other contexts, this is usually how it works, right? There's a lack of lack of people that are Christians. Usually, if you go to like a, a closed country um, or a country without a, a gospel presence, and a, a few people begin maybe believing in Jesus, and you, and you immediately have this issue of how are we going to organize them? Who's going to lead this? Is this a church or is it not a church? Again. But those are good questions. Those are the questions that we should be asking and the questions that Paul was trying to answer in a lot of his writing. There's really no category in the scriptures for disciples being made outside the context of the church. If you just read, again, read the book of Acts, all of the things that were going on came out of the local church. The church, you could say, was birthed in Acts 2 there. And the rest of the book is that first church sending and planting and establishing and sending more missionaries and establishing and giving to other churches. And it all started from there. But discipleship was, um, was, was thought to be um, centered on the church, not outside the church necessarily. Um, once church are planted, they are the means by which disciples are being made God's glory is being made known, and the kingdom becomes present on earth. That is the role of the church as God lays out in the scriptures. And lastly, we're going to look at that, so the idea of church planning and living missionally or, li or missional living. Matthew 16, 18 says this. Um, Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Again, we just need to see that Jesus is the one who builds the church. Um, in partnership with us, yes, through the power of the Spirit. But here, Jesus, this is, a, <clears throat> this is a, um, a kind of a profession here Jesus is making, a calling to that, the fact that he is going to build his church, and nothing will prevail against it. Again, if you, have a, if you plant a church without actually proclaiming Jesus or, or talking about the gospel or making disciples— um, you, you, could, you could put on a really great service, but there's, the people aren't compelled to share their faith. People aren't giving their lives to one another. This is, I have the opportunity through Acts 29 to um, coach and assess church planners. And what I'm seeing early on from them, what I want to see from them is not only a, a plan for sermons and a worship service and children's ministry, all those things are good. But what I want to see first is how are you going to make disciples? Like, how are you going to proclaim the gospel so people who don't know Jesus will actually come to know Jesus? When churches are planted, the, the ideal is that they would grow from people who don't know Jesus, who would come into the church and follow Jesus in the context of that particular church plant. Go back to the football analogy again. And this time, it's like building this incredible stadium, incredible stadium with like state-of-the-art turf field, that, the, the kind that feels like grass and having killer locker rooms, having a killer scoreboard and press box, and you walk in and you, you feel like you're in, in this, this incredible place. But, and and, and you, sell, you sell a bunch of tickets, 
and you, you sell the swag and all the t-shirts and you have this killer logo and you have this, these, these pump-up videos to begin the game and then there's no players. There's no players that you built all the stuff around it. It's flashy, it's awesome, it's cool, but there's no people inside because you're not making disciples. You haven't proclaimed the gospel. And we know in that football environment that, that that's not the point, right? All of that's nice, but you come to the game to actually watch the game, to watch the players play. And same thing in church planning. A lot of church planning, or not a lot of it, but, but some church planning is about kind of starting a service, planting services, instead of actually planting churches. When you plant a service, you can kind of do all the things without even evangelizing, without even proclaiming the gospel. We want to proclaim the gospel, see people come to know Jesus, and then that will lead to starting the service thing that we all think about typically when we think of church. So we have to, again, not divorce church planting from this idea of missional living. So again, this means that when a church is planted, if this terminology is new to you, a church, when a church is planted, it should be primarily aimed at seeing those who don't know Jesus come in and experience his grace and his mercy and life in the community, okay? Um, and, and, and this should be the, the primary aim of churches, even churches that are a little bit older like we are. So all studies show that, a majority of studies show, I think I could probably say all studies show that um, the younger a church is, not younger in age, like of the people, but younger in age of, of when the church was started, the younger the church is, the better chance they have at reaching people who don't know Jesus, who bringing people into know, know, know Jesus. Um, and that's across the board, right? That's good news and bad news for us. The good news is that we can still plant churches. We need to plant churches as, as many as possible so more people will have the chance to hear the gospel, see the gospel, experience the gospel, and believe in, in, in Jesus. Now, the bad news of that is we're, in, we're coming into our second decade here. So according to the stats, we would be slowing down in the area of evangelism and mission, which is why Jay's sermon last week is so important to listen to and to remember that we all embrace this calling to make disciples, even as we get older as a church, that we don't become complacent in that. Um, now, is it okay for Christians to join a church, a church plant? Yes. Many of you in here joined our church. You didn't become a Christian through our church. That's okay as long as the Christians that we're getting are being equipped and trained to go back out and share their faith to make disciples, okay? The problem is, is when churches are all in the city are just moving Christians around to different churches, right? The cool church gets Christians. They go here and then they go here. And we just are training them around while the people who, 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 who don't, aren't in church, who don't know Jesus, are continuing not to be in church. That's a problem. And that's a, a problem that all churches should wrestle with and, and think about. How do we see more people come to know Jesus? Okay? Now, again, missionally, as sent ones and ambassadors, loving our neighbors and gospel proclamation leads to church planning. This is how churches are started. This is God's strategy for reaching people, right? We proclaim the gospel, and then they're brought into the church. Acts 1, Acts 2, and we see that clearly there. Now, for the rest of the time, I want us to, to really um, focus on um, really the application here, starting with our church at large and then working down to us as individuals, okay? So let's talk about corporately 
what this looks like and maybe some barriers that we're gonna have to wrestle with here. Um, first off, uh, we said that church planning is the outworking of the previous four values, but it won't happen automatically. If it did happen automatically, there'd be churches all over the place planting churches, which there's not. We need more churches that plant churches. And it's, it's human nature when, when you start something and you get something established to become comfortable. You become comfortable in that situation. You don't want to push out. You don't want to pioneer things. Once something is established, you, you kind of resist this idea of going out into the, the, the pioneering work of ministry and reproducing yourself. That's going to be um, something that we're going to have to, to fight and push against as we get older as a church. Again, back to that. That's what those stats are showing, right? The, the younger a church is, the more effective it is in reaching people. The older a church gets, kind of gets set in its ways. It, gets, it becomes harder to keep the church maintained. The bigger it gets, therefore, resources and focus kind of start to turn inward, which isn't always a bad thing, but there's always that tension of you've got to keep the focus outward and pushing into new territory, into new um, cities that need churches, the people that need to hear the gospel. Okay, so that is one thing we're going to have to keep in mind as um, a church at large. A couple other things, we need to be willing to give away resources, right? To plant churches, you have to give away your resources. That's money. That's people. The, the church we planted four years ago, we sent out Chris and Kara Jane Brister. A lot of you don't even know them, which is crazy that you don't know them, but we sent them to Alabama to start a church at Auburn University. Uh, if you know anybody at Auburn University, you need to tell them to check out this church, um, but they were some of our best people. Like it hurt our church sending Chris and Carrie Jane Brister out just from a, man, we miss their presence. We miss their giftedness. We miss their personality. We miss a lot of things they brought to the table, but we felt like, and they felt like as well, this was worth it. And we see that in the book of Acts. You had some of the best, Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, were leaving churches to go plant churches all the time. We also must be willing to give up some control. Right, this is maybe speaking mostly to leaders. We have most of us are control uh, freaks at some level, right? And we have to give up some control because it's scary. The easiest thing would just be to keep all the people, right? Keep all the people, and we can kind of control everything in this one building, this one location, and we don't ever have to trust the spirit that he's going to do something through other people that we send out. That would be easier, but that is not what we see in the Book of Acts. And then the last thing I'll say um, is a, is a tension is. We have to be willing to care for the kingdom just as much or more than our own people. Now, this is hard because, again, you have a finite set of resources, and you can choose how you use those resources. Are they going to be spent all inside the church, or are we going to push resources outside the church, which, again, is less natural? And so at some point, we have to say we can't do as much inside because we want to care for people who don't know Jesus yet, maybe who people who aren't coming in the doors on Sunday morning. And that's, that's something that churches struggle with. The churches I've been in, it, it's hard. It's hard to make those decisions, but we have to continue to do that. Now, moving down a little bit, I'll talk to gospel communities, right? It's our small group structure here. I'll say that one way to plant churches, especially in, a, in Norman and the surrounding area, is through gospel communities, right? We have in our DNA this idea that, hey, if a, if a gospel community starts in a, in a specific place and they grow and lots of people are coming to know Jesus from outside the church, we begin asking the question, well, what's, why shouldn't they be a church? Why shouldn't they be a, a, a church and fully functional church and fully sustaining church? And that's possible for us. That's an option for us. 
Because when if we were planning a church somewhere else, what we if kind of further was to say Tulsa, right? Far enough away to not to, you can't drive, right? Uh, weekly, we would say, hey, we want you to go there and we want you to start a gospel community. We want you to see people come to know Jesus. We want you to do ministry in the home. We want you to keep things simple and small and let God kind of build the church from there. That's how I would I would suggest anyone planting a church. So we're already doing that here in Norman and in more in the surrounding area through our gospel communities. So we need to have some of this thinking when we think of our gospel communities, giving away resources. It's hard to give up people to send out to start new gospel communities, giving up some control, right? It's your gospel community. How much control are you giving up to let people um, wrestle and fail and learn and grow in their giftedness? We have to be willing to care for your neighbors just as much maybe as you're caring for the people inside your gospel community. That's hard. That's difficult. That makes things more complicated. But that all those things are good, and I think what the Bible requires of us. One um, thing at the beginning of the, the church, um, Blake Hilgenfeld and I, we, we, we had gone to this training and been influenced by these guys in uh, the Seattle area. And one of the things they said is, like, take the total population in your city and, and figure out how many gospel communities that you need to reach your whole city. And so you want, and so kind of we did the numbers early on and we thought, you know, 200 gospel communities, you'd have one gospel community for every 500 people in Norman. That's 500 people, that's probably maybe one to three in, in every neighborhood in Norman. So now you start to get down strategically to being able to see this happen, right? So every neighborhood in Norman needs to have one to three gospel communities that are active, being good news, serving, proclaiming the gospel in their neighborhood in everyday life. And so that's, that gives us a target, right? Okay, we need 200 of them. We have about 10 right now, right? We have a long ways to go. But we feel like that that is going to be the most effective way of people who don't want anything to do with Jesus, don't want anything to do with the, with the, the church as we are experiencing today, and actually see Christians loving one another unconditionally in normal everyday life, in their homes, in their workplaces, in their front yards, and actually being able to have natural gospel conversations with people. And here's just something to think about, right? Like in Norman, there's a lot of churches here. Every different kind of church you can think of, denominationally, um, on any spectrum you want to lay out, there's a church in Norman if you're looking for any, any kind of church, right? But yet 80% of the people in Norman still would say that they're not followers of Jesus or, that, or, or they're not followers of Jesus, I would say, 80%. So um, we've tried every single kind of expression of church on Sunday morning, and we're 20% out of 100%. What's missing? Well, that should tell us that, well, it's not the kind of church you set up on Sunday morning that actually is going to affect the most amount of people. It's relationship, relational ministry in everyday life where people can see the gospel lived out by normal, everyday Christians and then hear the gospel in natural ways, over a drink, during the game, over dinner, whatever it is, right? That is the way we're gonna see a whole city. Now, would I love to see our church grow, like double to like 500 or whatever? Absolutely, that'd be awesome, especially if people came to know Jesus in that number. But that's like a drop in the bucket for the 125,000 people who call Norman home. It's a drop in the bucket. I want to see the whole city reached, and that is where gospel communities come in, and that, that everyday mission piece we talk about, that's what it is, okay? So that is a way, another way that we can do this together. Now, lastly, 
individuals. I want to challenge us as individuals. So we talk church at large, gospel communities now, individuals. Here's my challenge. We need to reproduce ourselves, right? We need to reproduce ourselves. Here's what I mean. Let's, let's read 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 8. This is Paul talking to Timothy, training him to be a church planter, right? And we'll, this is a familiar verse, but it's often spoken of in church kind of leadership circles, but I think it goes out to everyone. He says this to Timothy, who's kind of his, he's a spiritual father to Timothy. He says, it, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will, able to be, to, who will be able to teach others also. Okay, so you hear four generations there, if you listen closely. So Paul to Timothy, entrust the faithful men. That's another generation. That's three who will be able to teach others also. That's the fourth generation there. So you have people who are reproducing. And by the time it gets past Timothy, you're past pastors, right? You're, you're to people who have, who have jobs and make their money and make their living in other ways than, than being a pastor. So he's pushing this idea of making disciples and reproduction through the whole church. And then, and then I don't have time to read the rest of the verse, but you get this, this feeling, this, this sharing suffering as a good soldier. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's a hardworking farmer who has to have the first share of crops. Again, he's talking about being intentional with some intensity in how we approach reproduction, right? So reproduction is key. It's taking responsibility for your own discipleship and bringing others with you. This could mean your ministry, right? Those of you who work in kids, right? Kids ministry. What it means is you inviting, inviting someone else to come work in kids as well, right? And then helping them be the best uh, kids volunteer they can be and training them to come alongside of you and behind you. And then you step out and go do it again. And then they step into your place. That's reproduction at the ministry level, but we're also talking at the discipleship level as well. One um, just quick tool that you can think about that is, is, um, is, is kind of put out there in a lot of different ways is this idea of there's four steps. It's right. If I'm training some, somebody to do something, I do it, they watch, and then we talk, right? Um, then um, they do it, and I help them, and then we talk afterwards, right? So you can see that the baton is slowly being passed. Third, they do it all by themselves, um, but I watch. I watch them do it, and I'm there in case they fall or whatever, but I'm there watching, and then we give feedback afterwards, and then the fourth step is I leave, right? And my relationship is much less, okay? So in anything you do, that's also called parenting, by the way. Like if you're parents, that's what you do all the time as a parent to help kids grow up and eventually leave your home, right? Teach them how to do things like that. Um, but it, it also takes place everywhere else, right? This idea here, I think, comes from this, this, this um, I mean, just idea of leaving a legacy, like leaving a legacy. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Obviously, we think in our family first, which those of us with kids, I think are, that's, that's appropriate. But what about outside of our family? What legacy are we leaving? What do you want people to say at your funeral? And it takes investing, reproduction, helping people lead, helping people grow. And I think if we can get a church doing that, this Ephesians 4, where everyone is building one another up, we're going to see reproduction. Reproduction of disciples, reproduction of gospel communities, and reproduction of churches. Two more quick things. So reproduction is the first I want to challenge you individually. Number two, support church planning. 
This means give to church planning. When you see one of our church planners come in and they're here with us on Sundays, as occasionally there are, talk to them, encourage them, take them out to lunch, have them over for dinner, do those kinds of things. Um, get to know them from afar. Maybe they don't live around here, but you wanna um, be the person who writes them and encourages them, sends them gift packages, right? Praise for them, right? Support church planning. That should be all of us who are doing that. That's a low bar type thing. Again, it's just intentionality. We just need to remember to do it. The last thing I will say is go, okay? And some of you in this room um, should definitely consider leaving here and going to plant a church. That may be scary. To say, it's scary for me to say that because I don't want to lose you. But like that, if, if you're going to plant a church, that is biblical. And we want to encourage that and empower you to do that. That may mean some of you are one of, the, one of the founding pastors of a church plant. That would be awesome. What do you need to do to get there? If that's your calling, you start to pray about that. Some of you may need to leave to go with a church planner, to be in, on the core team, to help get things off the ground, to help set the DNA and, and create a healthy church environment like we've talked about today. Those of you who are college students, again, I'm not leaving you non-college students out of this. I think you should pray about that too. But college students, you're in, in grad students, you're such in a, in a sweet spot in your life when you graduate, and a lot of you will leave Norman, it's just the, the, the nature of being in Norman, the kind of town it is, why not choose your job, your location of your job and your career or your grad school off a church plant that you want to join, right? Like maybe, maybe, we, maybe there's a church that we want to plant or you're kind of loosely connected with, let's just say in, in Denver or Austin or someplace. Why don't you choose that place based off of... Um, where you wanna join a church plant and figure out the job thing after you've chosen the city, right? Or maybe it's trying to ask, ask me through Acts 29, hey, is there a church planting team in X city? I've got a potential job offer there. Let us make that connection for you and send you to join this church planting team, right? So again, college students begin thinking about how church planting fits into your future decisions and your career. Um, we wanna be an aircraft carrier not a cruise ship, right? We don't want to be a, a church that uh, you, you pay money and we provide goods and resources to you and you have all this smorgasbord of options to get to choose from again and you're not really asked to do anything to be a part of this church. That's, that's kind of a cruise ship church, right? That's what happens on a cruise ship. You pay good money and you get to go and you don't, get, you don't have to do anything there and you have a, a, a buffet of options to choose from. And we, and we want to be an aircraft carrier, a ship that everyone has a role, but the, the purpose of an aircraft carrier is to send off planes, right? To, to, to go to, to a greater purpose, right? And that's what we want to be. We want to be a church that embraces that and sets ourselves up to send people out well. Jesus equips and empowers us to be witnesses, to make disciples, and to plant churches. So let's figure out what our role in that is as, as really as a church, as gospel communities, as, and as individuals. Let's pray. Father, I, I'm thankful that the, the comfort that that Matthew 16, 18 verse has always given me that you're going to build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't mean that every church is planted is going to be successful. It doesn't mean that um, every, every time that we plant a church that it's, it's going to be healthy. That's, that's not guaranteed. But 
Um, in the best of our ability, we're working towards that. But we know globally at the world at large, we know that you are going to continue to, to see churches planted that proclaim your name, that glorify God, that reproduce themselves so that um, other people may have the chance to hear the good news of the gospel. And we want that to be us. We want that, we want you to use us. We wanna be faithful to steward the resources we have well so that church planning is important to us. Not just a little side thing that we do every once in a while, talk about every once in a while. We want it to be um, a part of, of who we are at our core, which is why we've put it in our values. So help us, help us get there. We have a long way to go. We need help. We need wisdom. We need passion. So help. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.